What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast. This week, we've got the first yoga teacher on the show, which is very exciting. So this week, I'm talking to Erica Mather, who's a yoga teacher out of New York City. And specifically, we're talking to Erica about this issue of thinking that yoga is such an in-person practice, right? You're teaching people yoga in person. Obviously, there's huge benefits to being there with people to teach them what to do. And so when Erica was thinking about how to get a bit more freedom and flexibility in her business, she started exploring ways to bring her yoga teaching and her health philosophy online, but not necessarily teaching the standard, just, you know, some yoga classes or yoga videos that you might think about how to bring yoga online. So I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with Erica, of course, if you're a yoga teacher, but also if you do any sort of work with people in person that you're having a hard time thinking about how you could translate that to an online component. Erica has some really good thoughts around this. Another really interesting point in our conversation is that Erica says that what people say they like is often very different from what they buy. And this has been my experience too, that people will say, oh yeah, I love that. And they'll like it on Facebook and they'll say, that's a great idea, good job but they don't actually pay. They won't actually give you the money. And so we have a really interesting conversation around how to really figure out what is it that people want to buy online, not just what they're telling you is really great. So I think this interview has got something in it for you if you are having an in-person service you'd like to translate online, but also just for thinking more strategically about who your customer really is and how to create an offering that they're going to enjoy. So let's jump into the interview with Erica. Hi, Erica. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So you're the first yogi we have on the podcast. And I was really excited to have you on because yoga, although it's firmly in the health and wellness arena, is kind of one of those things you think about traditionally being in person. And so I really wanted to have somebody on where we could talk about how you translate that kind of in-person service to online and and I love what you're doing online with your yoga so I'm really glad you're here. Thank you so much Amanda. I'm really happy to be here. And hmm, well this is you've just encapsulated the, the conundrum is how do you take an in person service to an online service? And quite frankly, I am at the I think I'm at the beginnings of figuring this out. And I've been teaching yoga in New York City since two thousand seven and it's only been recently that I've really started to think about this because I'd like to be freed up a little bit from having to be at a particular place at a particular time and I'd still like to uh you know have an income. And so I guess I'll just tell you sort of my story with you know using with tr- you know translating my products onto my website. Yeah, my well, first can you- offering. 
Would you mind if we kind of back up first? And because I'm just kind of curious, like when you got started teaching yoga, what you it sounds like you hadn't planned to go online. It's just this has kind of evolved, evolved yeah. over the years that you that you want more yeah. freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any service based profession is is inscribed and constrained by time and space. So if you are a yoga teacher, you have a very you have a problem which is there's only one of you. And you can only do as much as you can do. And if ever you are sick and can't show up to your class, you don't get paid, right? So it's not like there's any kind of net to, to catch you. If you don't show up, you don't get paid. That's, it's that simple. And this creates, this creates a problem both in terms of lifestyle it creates a problem that's very real in terms of what happens to me if something happens to me. You know, it creates a very real problem like, well, what if I want to have a baby? Or what if I want to go on vacation? Or what if I just need a sabbatical? Mm -hmm. And this is the trap that I think a lot of yoga teachers find themselves in is they're kind of like on a little hamster wheel that they can't actually get off of. Because if they get off, they stop making money. And then unless you have a pretty robust savings, you have you have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, when I started teaching yoga, I was thinking, let me birth an, an internet business. When I was teaching, started teaching yoga, I like, you know, like I think every other yoga teacher started by thinking, let me do something that I love to do. And the love was, I love this practice. For me, the love is the love of connecting and teaching people. And the, those two things combined is like, let me have a job that I rejoicing going to every day. And then, you know, the longer that you do this, you find out that that in a lot of ways, teaching yoga is, is an awesome job, and then it has its own unique problem sets. And then on some days, it's just another job. Like any job, you have to show up and do your job, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't thinking with any kind of business savvy at the beginning. I was just thinking how can I do something I love and make a living? That's pretty much it. Yeah, and it that's interesting because I think, you know, for people listening, it's not a problem just unique to yoga teachers. Like, I think a lot of therapists, you know, holistic practitioners, health coaches, anybody that's working with clients one-on-one, a lot of times you just start doing it because you love it and start working with clients. And then you realize, actually, just what you said, Erica, that. Like if you're not there to have your your one-on-one meetings, you know, if you're not there to to actually meet with these people and deliver your services, then you're not getting paid and your business kind of stops. And so I think that's, you know, that's a journey a lot of, of, of something that a lot of entrepreneurs run up against. But in a situation where you're doing something like coaching, it really lends itself to going online. But I could see that in yoga, you're like, well, how do I teach a yoga class when I'm not yeah. physically there with people? Yep. Yeah, and it, it, it's difficult. It, it, it has it presents its own challenges. Yeah, so and tell us a bit. Tell us a bit about that then. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but like, how? Okay. What was the first thing you did when you realized, wow, I I really want to start doing stuff online? How did you dip your toe in the water there? Well, the first thing I did is I is I fielded my my people. I, I have a mailing list, and I just sent a survey out to my mailing list saying, I'm going to make a video. What do you want to see? Like, what would you like? And then I got, I, I kept the responses and I, and I took them apart and I created a video 
And that was my first thing, really, that I put up that was yoga-related. It was just like, I'm going to teach you yoga, and I put up a video. The video is called Learn to Handstand, because everybody's here to want to learn how to handstand. <laughs> and it's broken up into 10, you know, it's broken up into 10-minute chunks. There's six 10-minute videos. And the idea was that it was, would be modular. You could do one video, or you could do two, or you could do three, or you could, you know, and that, and that each video would stand alone and go pretty well in whatever order. Now, the thing that I learned from doing that is there's a real difference between asking people what they want and asking people what they will buy. Mm, <laughs> and, that's a good point. You know, you know, people want all kinds of things. They want a house. Well, they, does that mean they'll buy it? Not necessarily. Everybody wants to go on vacation to Paris. Does that mean they'll buy it? Not necessarily. And so, you know, these videos, quite frankly, have languished a bit on my website. And it may entirely be because I haven't marketed them well enough. And so the, so the onus is in part on me. But, you know, I produced these videos and I sent the email out to my group and I said, hey, the videos are here. And there was a, a flurry of activity and then kind of nothing. Okay, for a long time. Now, truth be told, <clears throat> I did this in part for them and I did it in part for me because I feel that as a yoga teacher to be able to say, I have a video is it's like a credential item, you know? And even if it's a self-produced video, it's, it's, it raises your resume a little bit. And I'm very proud, actually, of the production of these videos. I think they're beautiful. I know, you know, a lot of times people think, well, why would I pay for this video when I could just get a free thing online? But there's a lot of great videos online, but I think the production value of, the, of these videos is very, very, very high. So that was my first venture. I think that, you know, just what you said there at the end, like why would anybody buy your videos when there's so many videos for free online? And I think that's a fear that comes up for a lot of us as we go online because we think there's so many people doing fill in the blank, health coaching, you know, weight loss, yoga, like why would anybody buy my stuff? But I think that you know, the people that are in our tribes online, like they like you and they want to buy something from you. So they like the fact that it's Erica doing the handstand or the headstands and it's it's your vibe and your style and your way of teaching. And yeah, I think the people that are in your tribe do, they appreciate the fact that it's from you, that it's not just from some random person on the internet. Yeah. And that's, that's important. I think also with yoga, that there's a little technological thing to overcome, which is, which is, if people can go to a class, they have to have a very, very specific reason to use your video or use your audio class. And the things that I've been finding, I mean, I'm a forest yoga teacher. And so the thing that I've been finding is driving people to my product is not being able to find forest yoga. So people might go, I mean, a lot of my students, they're like, they, why would they buy my video when they can come to my class? You know, and really it's, it's about like, where is the, where is the point of pain or the point of necessity? A lot of times also I think that if people aren't accustomed to using the technology, it creates a little bit of like a glitch. And if they've never actually taken a class online, it'll create a little glitch. Like, well, why would I do that? I think, I mean, what I've seen, and I'll continue telling this story, is that to get people to move from a class to practicing on their own at home, can take a lot of hand-holding. But then I think there's a whole other segment of the population who's just like, I want to do yoga. 
I want to learn about all this stuff. So they go and sign up for Yoga Glow or they're, you know, at whatever the subscription services are where they can get a lot of classes. And I haven't actually found a lot of intersect. But what I have been finding happening, and I'll tell this story so people can sort of understand how actually my online business has grown, which is actually not really online. It's over the phone. And here's what I did is I offered a teleclass, which is not a video, but I offered a a seven-day, I called it a seven-day intentional yoga challenge. And I had 12 people sign up for this. And it was a big step for them. It was a big step for them to do yoga seven days in a row. These are my, like, very, like, some very close students and then a few random people who signed up as well. It was a big step for them to do yoga every day and it was a big step for them to do yoga at home. And what happened is they were really, really, they were jazzed by this. They were like, wow, this is so cool. Also, we did it very early in the morning. We did yoga at 6, 6, 15. And so for a lot of them, they've never done yoga that early. And you might know, like, yoga in the morning is different than yoga at midday. is different than yoga at night. And so what happened is I created, like, a little, like, a little moment for them to try out doing this thing that wasn't a huge commitment. It was just seven days, which for some people was a huge commitment. But it was seven days, and I took them through a process. And then what happened at the end of this is that almost unanimously the group said, we want to continue. And I was like, well, okay, I can't do this every morning. <laughs> and I said, well, let, let's try this one day a week. And so what's been birthed out of this is actually not, it's not really truly an authentic online offering, but it is a not-in-person offering. And so what's happened is I have a group of about 13 students who meet me on the phone every Wednesday morning at 6.15 a.m. And we do yoga over the phone. Hmm. And it's, it's held as a lecture format, so there's no dialogue. I just get on and I deliver a class. So it's kind of like a podcast, almost, if you think about it. But it isn't really, because it's, it's private, it's subscription, and it's closed. But the thing that's really filtered, you know, I was talking with another student the other day who was bemoaning the fact that she's feeling really disconnected from forest yoga. And I said, well, you know, I might have something for you. And I told her about the class, and she's like, how come I didn't hear about this? I said, because I haven't told anybody about it. And the reason I haven't told anybody about it is because it's a very, very specific student who can follow a yoga class with just auditory commands, no visuals at all, and who doesn't, like, get freaked out if they don't know what's happening or doesn't get lost or can follow the pace, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a very specific student. And so the only people who I have on this call are people who I know are ready for it and can handle it, which isn't everybody. And so this is sort of what I found. But now what I have is I have, you know, about 24 audio classes that I've recorded. And my students are are not only getting a new class live with me every week, but now they have this body of, of recordings that they can go into at any moment of classes that they've already done and that they can redo. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I think that it's a whole different approach, but really I came into very organically besides let me make videos and put them online and hope that people download them. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said that it's a very specific kind of student because what you're describing, like these kind of 
audio only yoga classes, it's clearly not for total beginners. Like they have to be familiar with the poses and with probably how you run a class so that they're they're comfortable doing it, like you said. And I like that because that, I mean, the reason, I think one of the reasons that works is because it is so specific. You're saying this isn't a yoga class for everybody. This is like a no. yoga class for a specific type of person that meets these different criteria and and delivers really good value to them so and it's also a really interesting hybrid of you know it's people that you've met in person for the most part i guess but now they're doing something all remotely with you all of them all of them all of them are people who i know in person yeah and i mean that's the only way that it works actually you know so like again it's a very specific thing and you know it's really got me to thinking about you know if you're going to create an offering like this really letting it emerge from a need of the people who are already in your in your network, you know, because it, it narrows down the field so, so far that there's that the answer to the question, why would I do this with you instead of going to YouTube? Like, it's not a, it's not a viable question anymore. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense even to ask that question. Right? But yeah, it's not a class for beginners. It's a class for people who know the poses of name, know the names of poses. And when I say the name of the pose, it they know what that means. Right? And, you know, it's it's for a very specific student who's looking to do yoga in a particular way every mm-hmm. day, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it works. And this I mean, I really see no I see no end in sight for this growing, in part because I have a little bit of a niche market, which is forest yoga. So any person who says to me, I'm really, I feel so disconnected from forest yoga. I just don't know where to get it. And I miss the community. Oh, the other thing that I have is I have a private Facebook group. So everybody who's on the call knows everybody else who's on the call or can see who's on the call. And they can talk about it and they can ask me questions. Like I've had some people say, I don't understand what that pose is. And I'll answer the question. And I post all the recordings to the Facebook group. And they'll they'll talk about the classes. They'll be like, oh, I really like this part of this class. I like the sequence. I like that cube, blah, blah, blah. So it, it, it creates a forum for them to discuss. But where was I going? I, I, I went lateral for a moment. It's, well, it's a very, very specific thing. And I think, you know, I've been thinking about this, you know, like, for yoga people to, to identify what is like their ideal client, and and I sort of stumbled into that with this class. It's like my ideal client is someone who's already done forest yoga, who already knows me, who doesn't get enough. They want more. They want to be able to do it whenever. They can follow audio cues on their own. It's like there's my ideal customer. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's so important. We'll we'll come back to that. I wanted to just pick up on one thing you said earlier was that there's a big difference between things that people like and that they'll click like on Facebook and tell you they look great versus what they're actually going to buy. And so then you yeah. kind of contrasted like your first videos that people haven't bought too much versus this teleclass that's been really popular with those people that are your ideal client. How have you found, you said you kind of like to have it evolve organically from what people actually need. How did you figure that out? Like that it's not just people saying, oh, yeah, that sounds great, but that it's actually something that's going to work. Well, I think it's always trial and error in a certain way. And that's just something that you have to, you have to come to grips with as an entrepreneur is that stuff is not going to work. And it doesn't mean that you're not great. It just means that 
it doesn't work. That's all. So you, you regroup and you try again. And so the, the, the original thing that this was birthed from was a seven-day intentional yoga challenge. And I just felt, well, okay, I have a number of students who are going to a teacher training. They're, they're joining me at the Florida State Foundation of Teacher Training on Friday. It's a 27-day immersion. I had a number of students who are really committed and signed up. And so I think that some part of my brain knew that they would want something like this, that it would help them understand what it's like to, to do yoga every day, which is a huge hurdle for people if they've never done that. And if they've never done an immersion, like we're, they were going 27 days straight. You know, when was the last time you did yoga for 27 days straight? And a high intensity two-hour classes every day. So I knew that I had a group of people who this would fill a, fill a, a question mark in their mind. What is this going to feel like? And so I think really that sort of, that's important is knowing that there's a group of people who are going to respond. And you only know that by, like, knowing your people. And this is a problem, actually, right, with, with like, true online marketing versus in-person work. Like, I work in-person with people, so I know what they wanted because I was seeing these people every week, every week. And so for me to go, hey, guys, let's do this over the phone every day, I knew that that was going to land on them. And that's kind of like hard information to get if you only have a mailing list, you know. And and truthfully, I think that I think that Facebook is a very very poor indicator of what people will actually buy. Myself, because I'll put up events and people say they're coming and then nobody shows up, and it's like, well, why did you click that? Why did you click that you were going? My my rule of thumb is that nobody's going until they've actually paid. That's it. They can't say, I want to go, or I intend to come. It's like, no, until you've paid, all bets are off, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a wild west, and maybe as I'm talking about it, maybe it's actually an advantage, right, that in-service providers have is that they have contact with these people and then can convert them into over-the-phone customer. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the thing, if you have an online business is, you know, you, it doesn't mean you can just hide behind your computer. You actually have to talk to people. And so, you know, getting on Skype and actually talking to people or going to events and meeting them, going to conferences, like, you can't, you're totally right. People click like on Facebook for all sorts of crazy things. And that can't yeah. be your number one source of getting intel into what your customers really want. You just have to no. actually talk to them. Yeah. So, and, and I think that that might, be, that might be really the key that we're looking for here is that to know what your people want, you have to talk to them. And talk to them doesn't mean email them. Talk to them means get on the phone and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Or, be, or, or if you have a class, like be in person and talk with them. And it's not even like I was asking people pointed questions. It was just collecting data on these people over a number of years, quite frankly. It wasn't even over, like, like these are, these are relationships with deep fruit. Definitely. So I'm curious, I was looking on your site and it looks like you also have an Adore Your Body six-week online program. I do, so yeah. That, yeah, can you tell us about that? So that's like a even more online program than well, your Well, yeah, exactly. And that is, that is really my effort as a yoga teacher as to, to create an offering that truly authentically is only online, right? Because I was like, I got to solve this problem. I love teaching yoga, but, but you know, my body might not love teaching yoga 
every day in a couple years, you know? I might just want to stay home. There might be other things I want to do with my life. Although I really sincerely love teaching yoga and I'm good at it and I see that I will be teaching yoga in some capacity forever. So let me pivot to this Adore Your Body thing, which is, yes, it's a completely online offering. And what it is, is it's only content calls, but it's, it's addressing something that I think is very prevalent in the yoga community, which is an underlying body distortion issue. Right. Of course, any space that has to do with something physical, like moving your body, is going to bring these issues. It's not front and center, at least, you know, stage left and stage right. And so Adore Your Body is all of my best learning, you know, that I've gleaned from doing yoga and reading philosophy and all of my best wisdom, which emerges from my own learning process and my own life experience, to offer to other people. And what I've noticed is because yoga tends to be kind of, well, the way that yoga is is that mostly it's run as a drop-in. So anybody could show up at any time. And this is, I believe, a very poor way of trying to teach people because you don't know who your students are. Right? Try, try and make a business on not knowing who's coming from day to day. It's just very difficult. So you don't know who your students are and you don't know what level they're going to be at. And so you end up teaching these very, very general classes that you hope connect with the people who show up. And it's, it's like not the best design. And so part of what I do like with my group over the phone and with other groups that I've been working with for a long time is creating curriculum and then selling them as a series and, and asking for a commitment. If it's like if I'm going to show up as a teacher for you here every week, then I need you to show up and commit to me as a student every week. And what you can do when you do that is you can actually create an experience that evolves over a number of weeks. And so I've been doing this with my classes, my yoga classes. I've been teaching uh, six-week series for about three years now, and I've developed about ten different curriculums. And then I thought, well, what if I could do this? Instead of, you know, having the information that people get be so random and haphazard about body image, what if I could organize all the lessons that I think a person needs in a sequential fashion so that they arrive at a conclusion about their bodies, which is a healthy one, instead of a disordered one. Right? Because everything that we get from society is pretty messed up. And yoga is like this space where you could get some really great gems of wisdom that could change your mind. But what if you miss the class where your teacher talks about something really important and you come the next week and, you know, that person is building on that idea and you have no idea what they're talking about? Right, so Adore Your Body is taking all of my best experience, my best thinking, my best, my best intent really for people to feel good and putting it in lessons that are organized in a step-by-step fashion so that you get all of the information that I think a person might need to come to this conclusion that your body is worth um, a little bit of admiration. Not a little bit, it's actually worth a lot, but sometimes people kind of recoil at really going full bore and loving themselves with abandon. Yeah, you have to kind of <laughs> so dip I'll your toe say, in the water. I'll just and... say, you want, yeah, you want to dip your toe in first, <laughs> and then you can go like, wow, my body grows hair. I don't know how to do that. How does my body know how to grow hair and fingernails? And stuff? <laughs> That's actually when you really think about it. If you take the normalcy of it away and you think, how does that happen? 
Yeah, it's amazing. It's a miracle. You don't know. It is a miracle. And so anyway, yeah, so when you arrive at the conclusion that you might like to, like, kind of hold a little bit of appreciation for your body, not, like, adore it. Yeah, it's like dip your toe in first, and then we'll go crazy, you know, in Adore Your Body Part (laughs) 2. So how have you been, have you mainly been marketing this program to your email list then? Yeah, I've been doing, I've been doing hand sales, right? So the hand sales, I've been doing um, breakthrough sessions which is where I get on the phone with people and, and basically gift them some of my time to talk about this issue. And then if it seems appropriate to tell them about the program at the end. And then I've been I've been marketing it to my email list. Mm-hmm. And this is my second time running it. And I see, you know, my methods of marketing it are improving and the responses is going up. So I, I foresee offering this program maybe twice a year for as far as I can see in the future. And I anticipate the enrollment only growing the more times that I the more times that I offer it because people sort of get comfortable with the idea. It's a tender spot for a lot of people. So I think that there's a lot of people on my list who are sort of hovering and looking at it and thinking, Wow, I should do that but it makes me uncomfortable, you know? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, it's not just even about people's comfort, but it's also like how you learn how to communicate about your program and what it delivers too. And I think the first time anyone runs an online program, I mean, we tend to be so hard on ourselves and just feel like failures because we didn't get a hundred people signed up, you know, and really the first time you do it, you're just learning too. And so every time you go through and launch it again, the curriculum improves, the way you talk about it improves, the way you figure out exactly that ideal customer for it, that gets more refined. So yeah, I think that's that's a really good way to look at it. It's just going to keep growing and evolving over time. Yep. So Erica, we're kind of getting to the end of our time together, but I'd love to know um, if you could share like a few of your tips of how you stay healthy and balanced as an entrepreneur. Oh gosh. Uh, I sleep a lot and I try not to go crazy about like being a workaholic because when you're an entrepreneur, as you know, the to-do list is, is never complete. And even if you knock things off of it, new things come on. And so I just, I really try to, at the end of the day, stop and be like, I'm going to be a normal human being and, like, rest or do something that disengages me from this for a while. So sleep is a big part of that. I hold a space of compassion for myself. Like you just said, it's like uh, instead of beating yourself up that something doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go or that you wanted it to go, I'd be like, well, what can I learn from this experience? And should I proceed forward or should I let this go? And just see it all as as an evolving process. I think like any other health, health and wellness person, food is kind of a really important thing. So eating quality food and really keeping my finger on the pulse of what that means from day to day for my body and not anticipating that it's going to be the same thing always. And that takes a lot of vigilance to, to stay in touch with it. Mm-hmm. That was three things. No, that's great. That's perfect. So where can people find you and if they want to get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing? You can go to my website, which is ericamather.com, E-R-I-C-A, and the last name is Mather, M-A-T-H-E-R.com. And pretty much everything I do is there. You can hop on my mailing list, and I will be in touch with you every couple of weeks about things. 
there's online classes there. There's some business classes for, for yoga teachers. We didn't talk about that today, but there's that there, how to make a living as a yoga instructor, how to get your first studio gig, which is a huge hurdle when you come out of your 200-hour teacher training. So, yeah, my website is pretty much the, the primary resource and for everything that I do. Awesome. And I'll put links back to all of that in the show notes, too, so people can just click right through and get back to there. So thank you so much, Erica, for taking time with us today. It was great talking to you. Amanda, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me on the show. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this interview with Erica Mather. You can get all of the links and the resources that we talked about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com slash 27. And can you believe some people still don't know how awesome podcasts are? I know it blows my mind because I love podcasts and I know you love podcasts now too. So please share the love and share the Wellpreneur Online podcast with your health and wellness friends and tell them how great it is to be able to learn on the go, right? So we can spread the love and get more people learning from these super valuable interviews with successful health and wellness entrepreneurs. So I hope you have a fabulous week and remember to pop back. If you got any comments about what you learned in the episode or questions, just stop right back by the show notes, wellpreneuronline.com slash 27. And I'll see you back here in the next episode.